I've heard, I think I've heard you on AFR. Is, is, that, is that correct? Because you have a distinct voice, and, and I, your radio voice is an awesome man of God. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to listen to what Dr. Tim Todd and his wife here this morning. Also, please, we do ask you to support their ministry. Uh, I don't know how many humpteen dozen Bibles in your lifetime you've probably given away. Uh, probably a few, right? Just a handful. So, so this morning, please give Dr. Tim Todd a Refuge Church welcome as he comes to minister to us this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Angie. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. How many of you are glad to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. I just sense the presence of God in this place, and I'm so excited about being here today. And I just believe God has got a word for this church body this morning, and I pray that you came prepared to receive from God everything that he has for you to receive. How many of you sense the presence of God in here? Amen. I just feel the anointing in this place so strong. And uh, so thankful for what God is doing. And I want to say, even though uh, they are not here, Pastor Tony and Pastor Bethany, a very special thank you to them for extending an invitation for us to come and be in his pulpit. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing, it's a, it's a tremendous thing that your pastor has evangelist. I'm an evangelist. I've been an evangelist now for over 31 years, full-time on the evangelistic field. And how many of you know that, that that's a part of the five-fold office? It's a part of the, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says that God calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry. So here's the way I look at that, brother. Every church should, should involve all five of the gifts in their church, according to Ephesians chapter 4 unless their church is perfect because that's what the work of the evangelist is and the other offices is for the perfecting of the saints. So if, you've, if, you, if you're in a perfect church, you don't need the evangelist. If you're not in a perfect church, and none of us are, then we need the office of the evangelist to be flowing. And I said all that to say this. We would have been here faster if y'all would have been listening quicker, but you've held us up. I'm thankful that Pastor Tony and Pastor Bethany allow the office of the evangelist to flow in this church body. I'm not a pastor preaching as an evangelist. I am an evangelist. That's what God has called me to do, and you'll see in just a moment uh, 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 as the Holy Spirit begins to flow in this service through the preaching of the word and in this uh, and in the altar services, that this is the office that I flow in, in the gift of the Spirit, uh, the gift of, of the evangelist. Now, I, I want to say a, a special thank you also for this church body having us here. And I want to say a special thank you to my wife for being with me this morning. We've been married for 27 years, 27 years. We have four children, and I think we've got a picture of our family that we can put up here. This is our son, Luke. He's 23 years old. Miracle and Mariah, are 20, our daughters, 21 years old. And Michaelin, our youngest, is 20 years old. And uh, then that dog in the middle, I forget how old that dog is, but uh, we've still got that dog, just so that you'll know. That's my son's dog, but, uh, uh, and he just thought he'd get into the picture. Amen. Nina is her name. <laughs> but uh, 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 Luke works at the church body that we uh, attend, the assembly. I see that you've got uh, Pastor John coming uh, for your uh, uh, special services coming up. And he's always a blessing and always has a word from the Lord. Luke works at the, uh, the assembly first uh, uh, full time. And then our twin girls, uh, Miracle works at Chick-fil-A. Mariah is in Bible college and Michaela, um, uh, our youngest daughter, works at Chick-fil-A, and she also is in Bible college. So that gives you a little bit of history about our family there. But, but uh, uh, we love our family. Now, I need your prayers because, uh, uh, let's see, Pastor Tegan, uh, you just mentioned uh, uh, the Bible distribution. And just to give you a, 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 just a rundown on what the Lord has been doing, we have, we've given away in the past uh, 30 years, we've given away over 5 million Bibles in Russia to, 
to Russian Red Army soldiers and Russian public school students. We've given away more than 250,000 Bibles to our, 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 uh, uh, our troops defending America and the war on terror in Afghanistan and Iraq. I believe our soldiers need a copy of the Word of God, don't you? We make it a top priority for our ministry to provide Bibles for our troops. And we continue to do that. And starting a week from tomorrow, we really need your prayers. Because we are going to kick off our 18th annual Truth for Youth Bible Week on American Family Radio. Where that we will give, be giving away thousands of these Bibles that I'm holding in my hand right here. To young people all across America that commit to give it to their unsaved friends in school. Now I'll tell you what we accomplished with this. What the Holy Spirit accomplishes with this. First of all... Uh, um, the Holy Spirit laid on my heart to design this Bible. I'm actually the publisher of this Bible. It consists of the whole New Testament. Some of you have seen it. It's got comic stories in the front section that deal with the truth about things that young people are up against every day. We deal with things like sexual purity, evolution, homosexuality, hard-hitting issues from a biblical perspective. We deal with the truth about things like uh, 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 honor, cutting, sexting, Bullying, suicide, we deal with the truth about pluralism. How many of you know that our young people, according to even one of the songs that we uh, just sang a few minutes ago, uh, as well as what the Word of God says, there's only one way to get to heaven. There's not a bunch of different ways to get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Our young people need to know that, need to know that. So we deal with that in one of the comics. We deal with the truth about drugs, drunkenness, peer pressure, and a lot of other things. The Bible says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we give these Bibles away to young people who give them to their friends in school. We've given away 2.5 million of these Bibles so far, and we've received decision cards at the end of the comics. The plan of salvation is in each one of the comics, but at the end of the comics, we've got a decision card that young people can fill out and send to our ministry. How many of you know that's a big deal to get a young person to fill it out and put a stamp on an envelope and put... We've received more than 25,000 of these decision coupons. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise. From young people that have been saved for the first time. That's powerful. Then we get them plugged into a local church. So we thank God for that. So again, we are starting our 18th annual National Truth for Youth Bible Week on American Family Radio. American Family Radio is on in this area, so tune in. Starting one week from, from tomorrow. And this is a big, big deal. Because, and I can say this in here. Uh, do we have a, 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 are we on Facebook or anything right now? Okay, then I won't say what I was getting ready to say. But let me tell you, it's a big deal for us to be on American Family Radio. It's a big, big deal for us to be there. And God is doing a great work through that ministry. And they've got a listening audience of more than 10.5 million uh, people that listen to them on a regular basis. So you pray with us because as we give these Bibles away starting one week from Monday, these are going out all over the country to young people and they're going to end up in the hands of young people that have never been saved. And so pray with us that God will give us the spiritual, physical, financial, and emotional strength that we need to accomplish everything that God wants to do in that project. It starts one week from tomorrow. So please pray with us for that project. That will be August 6 through 10. Then on the 11th, my wife and I and our daughter are going to get on an airplane and we are going to be going to Cuba where in Cuba we are going to be distributing in excess of 60,000 of the Cuban Spanish, brand new Cuban Spanish Truth for Youth Bible to young people that have never had a Bible. Now, how many of you know Cuba is a communist country? We had to jump through hoops and it is a parting of the Red Sea miracle that we have permission to give Bibles away. We're going to be giving away full Bibles as well as the New Testament along with the comic stories that are made specifically for the Cuban young people to young people all over Cuba. So please pray with us that we have a massive harvest of souls. That will be August 11 through 20. This is a 
let me tell you something. This is a huge historic situation here for us to be able to be putting Bibles into the hands of Cuban people that have never had a Bible. So please pray with us that God will do everything that needs to be done, that we've got favor with the communist Cuban, the Cuban communist government. We've got favor with the spiritual leaders that are in Cuba. And I'm believing God for a massive harvest of souls uh, as we go to Cuba and uh, are going to be preaching a youth camp and a truth rally and distributing thousands of these Bibles to young people all over Cuba. So thank you in advance for your, your prayers for that project. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Numbers chapter 11. And while you're turning there, Numbers chapter 11, many of you got this Bible last time that I was here. I'm going to show you very quickly this Bible. It is called the God's Word Translation Praying the Scriptures Bible. If you do not have one of these Bibles, you're going to want to get a copy of this Bible. David said, sitting right here on the second row, that this is the Bible that he uses to study the Word of God with during the, during, uh, uh, the week. This Bible has got, get this, the God's Word translation, according to James Dobson, who is a King James Version only individual, he said that this is the most accurate, easy to read translation available anywhere. Not one that is more accurate than this in the original Hebrew and, and the original Greek. This Bible has got, now this is what sets this Bible apart. This Bible has got 4,500 uh, uh, prayers that are based on the Word of God because it is important to pray the Scripture. This Bible is called the Praying the Scriptures Bible. You'll see the, the, uh, 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 the Lord's Prayer is on the outside, but there's 4,500 prayers that are based on the Word of God that will help you pray the Word of God. So I encourage you to get this Bible. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. Now you can get it in the bookstore for $75 plus tax. It's worth every penny of that. But on the table... In the four-year area, we make it available for $30. We make it available I, last time I was here, so I'm going to do it again this week. Uh, today, uh, we make it available. Uh, I'm going to make it available today, Angie, like we did last time I was here, $25, and that includes the tax. So I encourage you to get that Bible. I know that it will be a blessing to you and to those that you get it for, and it will be a tremendous help for you and for those that you get it for, and get it for your enemies, too. It will help you with your relationship with them. One more thing, and you ought to get this if you have family members that are not saved. On CD and DVD, both in this set, DVD and CD, a message, an evangelistic message that will help win your family members to the Lord titled, One Thing Worse Than Going to Hell. When you hear the message, you will agree with me that there is something that is worse than going to hell. You will be in total agreement with me when you hear this message. It is powerfully anointed and designed to win your family members to the Lord. In fact, in one revival I was in, I had one individual that got 30 copies of this for all of his unsaved family members in his family. I encourage you to get this powerful message. It will help to win your family members to the Lord. The anointing that is on this message and the direction that God goes with this message, God has used this message to win more people to the Lord through our ministry, I believe, than any message that I have ever preached. It will be a powerful, powerful tool for you. You say, well, what in the world could be worse than going to hell? Get the message and you'll find out what that is. Amen? And you'll find out. Amen? So I encourage you to get that and I know that it will be a blessing to you. Angie, if you don't mind, take these things. And again, turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. And stand with me this morning in reverence to God for the reading of our text. We do take credit cards at the uh, table as well if you uh, need to do that or checks, or cash. Uh, Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. I've got two texts, and this is my first one. Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. And I'm going to be reading this from the God's Word translation. The people began complaining out loud to the Lord about their troubles. How many of you know we're already right on track? That applies to us. It says, when the Lord heard them, he became angry and fire from the Lord began to burn among them. It destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. 
That place was called Taborah or fire because fire from the Lord burned among them there. Some foreigners among the Israelites had a strong craving for other kinds of food. How many of you know it's important to be careful about who you hang around with? Even the Israelites started crying again and said, If only we had meat to eat. Remember all the free fish we ate in Egypt and the cucumbers, watermelons, leeks, onions, and garlic we had. But we now have lost our appetite. Everywhere we look, there's nothing but manna. Now turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. John chapter 6, verses 30 through 35. Remain standing and let me give you a quick historical context of this text before I read the next passage of Scripture. You must understand that all of this took place during a time period in which the children of Israel have just received a supernatural magnanimous miracle. God has emancipated them from the chains of Egypt and they are en route to the promised land. They are en route to the place that God has for them. And en route to the place that God has for them, the children of Israel said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back into slavery. And this is why they wanted to go back. We just read it. To get some meat, some garlic, some onions, some cucumbers, some leeks. Have you ever had leeks? Have any of you ever eaten leeks before? I had them in an evangelistic crusade a few weeks ago in Australia, and I can tell you right now, it's nothing to write home to mama about. I promise you. This has got to be the very first Hunger Games right here in the Word of God. How many of you know that there is no meat that is worth going back into slavery over? Isn't it interesting that when God delivers us out of something, Brother David, we have this inward tendency and propensity to want to gravitate back to the very thing that God has brought us out of? The children of Israel were sick of the manna that was the bread that came from heaven. Now look at John chapter 6 verses 30 and 35. I did not forget, I promise. The people asked him, you wondered if I was going to have you standing the whole service. I'm not going to do that, I promise. The people asked him, what miracle are you going to perform so that we can see it and believe in you? What are you going to do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the desert. Scripture says, they were quoting scripture to him. Scripture says, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I can guarantee this truth. Moses did not give you that bread from heaven. Hashtag, y'all don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus said. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. God's bread is the man who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never become hungry and whoever believes in me will never become thirsty. I want to preach to you this morning for the next five and a half hours on the subject of the predicament of the process. The predicament of the process. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Ghost, have your way and do your work and accomplish all that needs to be done in every area of our life. And Father, I pray for the anointing that makes the preaching easy to flow through me in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said amen and amen. Thank you and you may be seated. I'm going to try to keep this up here somewhere. I'll put it right back here just in case there's anybody that doesn't pay their tithe. If you don't pay your tithe, you'd steal my coat. So I'm going to put it, leave it up here. (laughs) I want to begin this morning by telling you that I absolutely positively love my job. I love my calling. It's more than a job. It's a calling. And I love my job. And, and in fact, you don't ever have to worry about me getting frustrated with what I do because what I'm doing before you right now is I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Actually, the truth is I was born to do this. I was created to do this. In fact, if I were to get a telephone call from General Kelly at the chief of staff that's in the White House right now and he were to say, Dr. Todd, uh, President Donald J. Trump has changed his mind and said that he decided he doesn't want to be president anymore and we wanted to find out if you would come in and fill his position and take his place, I want you to know that I would be honored with the privilege that I was given to do that. But, but you've got to understand that for me to become the president of the United States of America, 
America, that would not be a promotion for me. That would be a demotion for me because my, 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 my job, my boss, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the silver and gold. Heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. He spoke the worlds into existence. I love my calling. I love my job. I love my boss. And I love to preach. But you know, I've not always had an, uh, I've not always aspired and desired to be a preacher of the gospel. In fact, when I was a little boy, I actually, truth is, I actually wanted to be an actor. In my mind, I, I looked a lot like, uh, as a little boy, I thought I looked a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Patrick Swayze combined together. So I thought, I thought I may as well be an actor like they are. But, but I, I've always enjoyed watching movies. Is there anybody here that likes to watch movies? You said, let's just be, let's just be transparent. I love to watch movies. Now, now and in fact, uh, it is catalytic to my creativity. It is often the impetus for my mm-hmm. imagination. God actually speaks to me while I'm watching movies. Now, whenever I tell you that God speaks to me while I'm watching movies, for those of you that are in this building that, that you, you uh, 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 had Kool-Aid out of your water fountain this morning and you had manna for breakfast and you floated in here on cloud nine and you're super spiritual, you think that I'm talking about movies like, like uh, Veggie Tales and Bible series and Ten Commandments, but those aren't my favorite movies. My, actually, my favorite movies to watch are I love to watch a good, clean, suspense thriller. Anybody else like it? Listen, forget the romance, forget the comedy. Those are okay, but I like to watch a suspense thriller. Whenever I watch a, a movie, I want the, my heart to be beating out of my chest. I, I want my, the sweat to be rolling down off of my face. In fact, I want the scenes to be so intense that I'm pacing back and forth across the floor, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Because whenever I watch a movie, when I watch a suspense thriller, I stand on the scriptural premise that you've got to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. I don't watch suspense thrillers like some people come to church on Sunday morning. There are people that come into the house of God, they'll fold their arms, they'll cross their legs, they'll sit there and I don't care what you do, you can't move them. Preach on heaven, they'll look at you like this. Preach on hell, same thing. You know what they're saying? They're saying, they're saying, Bless me if you can, preacher. Give me all wrapped up. Every now, and then, every now and then you might hear one of them say, amen. That's not how I watch a suspense thriller. Listen, whenever I'm watching a movie, I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. Amen. In fact, I actually think that the people that are in the movies can hear what I'm yelling at the television screen. And that's why it's better for me not to go to the movie house when I watch a suspense thriller. Because if I did, I'd probably get kicked out for some of the things that I do. All right, now, let me give you an example. Whenever I'm watching a suspense thriller, this is me. I'm like this. Oh, no. She is going back in that house. I cannot believe she is going to die. Doesn't she hear the background music? She is going to die. And by the end of the movie, I, 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 my, my, my chest is beating and, and the sweat's pouring down all over the couch and I, I'm breathing hard and inevitably Angie will run into the game room where I'm sitting and she'll be like, what's going on? Is everything okay? I'll say, oh yeah, everything's fine, but I just watched the best movie. And Angie will say, what's a romantic? I'll say, well, it had some romance in it, but in kind of a suspenseful way. She'll say, she'll say will you watch it again with me? Now, you've got to understand that when it comes to watching a suspense thriller, Angie is like me times 10. So here we go watching the movie again. Here goes Angie. She's like, oh, no, she is going back in that house. I can't believe she's, does she die? Does she die? I'm trying to answer, and she's like, don't tell me, don't tell me. She is going to die. And you know what, I, while Angie's going off, you know what I'm doing? I'm like, I'm like, would you just settle down? It's not that big of a deal. I'll go get some more popcorn. And she'll say, of course you can say it's not that big of a deal because you know how the story is going to end. Now, isn't it interesting that the second time that I watched that movie, Angie and I can be sitting on the same couch watching the same movie, eating the same popcorn, watching the same events unfold and transpire, and yet we have two completely different dispositions. She is in total panic And I am at total peace. And my peace is predicated on the fact that I know how the story is going to end. Now I share that, I share that that illustration with you this morning as an appetizer to accentuate the frustration that comes with walking with God sometimes. Because how many of you know sometimes life can be like a suspense thriller? Can I get an amen? 
Oh, oh, there might be three or four of you saying, oh, no, Brother Todd, now that I'm a Christian, uh, my life is more like a romantic comedy, not a suspense thriller. Just keep on living, okay? <laughs> Just keep on living. Because how many of you know that sometimes life has a way of hitting you with some scenes and some circumstances that will cause the sweat to roll down off of your forehead. It'll cause your, your heart to beat out of your chest. It'll cause you to pace back and forth across the floor saying, oh, God, don't you see what's going on in my life, Lord? I feel like I'm going to die. Don't you even care? Have you ever felt like in the middle of your situation that you're going through, some of you are going through situations right now, have you ever felt like in the middle of your situation that God is up in heaven on his cosmic couch looking down at you saying, it's okay, it's not that big of a deal, it's going to be all right, and you're looking up saying, God, of course you can say it's going to be all right, because you're all powerful, all knowing, infinite, and with all understanding, and besides God, you know how this story is going to end, but friend, the truth is, you and I know how this story is going to end too. We know that in the end, we're going to win. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because as a result of the finished work on the cross of Calvary, we have already won this battle. Somebody give him praise. But the problem is when you're in the middle of it, when they're in the process and you're saying, God, how in the world am I going to make it through this situation that I'm in right now? And some of you are right there right now. You're at that place where you are in the predicament of the process of being in the middle of the mess. You see, I don't need faith for a powerful start. I don't need faith for a happy ending. I need faith for the messed up middle. I need faith when I'm right in the middle of the situation that I'm in. And I'm saying, God, if you're so good, then why in the world is everything in my life going so crazy? How many of you know what I'm talking about? This is the tenor of my text this morning. Even in this small group of people that are here this morning, there are a bunch of you that this applies to. And this, apply, this is exactly what was going on with the children of Israel. You see... The children of Israel, God had delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. So they'd been saved. And they were en route to the promised land, but they were frustrated because they were stuck right in the middle of the situation. And I love this story. I, I And brother, come on up. If you're bringing me up, uh, is it on right now? I got it on. We're going to switch out here. This has probably got more anointing. Oh, yeah, I feel the anointing on this. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I love this story because it all begins when you back this thing up to Exodus chapter 14. Uh, uh, Bible scholars and theologians are unanimous in their declaration that Exodus chapter 14 has got to be the clearest biblical picture of what happens when, a, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You ought, listen, the truth is you ought to read that story, Exodus chapter 14, over and over and over again. Every day you ought to read that. In fact, uh, 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 it, it's the story of the children of Israel being delivered out of Egyptian bondage and they're en route to the promised land. And they're stuck right in the middle. You ought to read that story again and again and again because it's the clearest biblical picture that takes that, that, uh, uh, of what happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, you ought to read that story. If you don't like to read, just watch the movie. Amen? You can go old school with Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments or you can go new school with the Bible series. But this is all you have to watch. Watch the children of Israel walk across the Red Sea. And then rewind it. Watch them walk across the Red Sea and then rewind it again. Watch them walk across the Red Sea and then rewind it. Be careful to close your eyes when you rewind it because you don't want to see anybody backslide. That'll be on you. Amen? But it's the clearest biblical picture of what happens when you, when you, when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Now get this. For 400 years the children of Israel are in slavery. For 400 years, they're in Egypt. For 400 years, they're in Egyptian bondage. And then in one night, God brought the children of Israel from being slaved to being saved. In one night, God brought the children of Israel from being in total Egyptian bondage to being totally set free. In one night, God brought the children of Israel from singing songs of sorrow to singing songs of joy. In one night, God gave the children of Israel complete victory after 400 years. How dare you come in here and bellyache and complain to God about how long you've been in the situation that you're in right now. 
There are people in the church that'll be like, just they'll be like, oh, I just don't know. I just don't know why the Lord hasn't delivered me out of this situation. I've been in this thing for so long, and I just don't know how much longer I can take this. And well, let me ask you a question. Look right here. Has it been 400 years? Has it been 400 years? How many of you know that there is no stronghold that is so strong that God can't give you breakthrough and delivery because God gave the children of Israel breakthrough and delivery? After 400 years, he did it in one night. Now, as critical thinkers, you have to stop and ask yourself this question. What was the cause agent, the catalyst, the impetus for the salvation of the children of Israel at the Red Sea? I'm going to tell you, first of all, that God did not deliver the children of Israel at the Red Sea because of their because of their morality. I mean, it's not like God came down to the Red Sea with the Ten Commandments from heaven and held them up and said, "Okay, now if you if you'll keep these Ten Commandments, then I'll part the Red Sea and I'll let you cross over. But if you don't keep these Ten Commandments, then you're all going to drown. You better keep these Ten Commandments because that water is cold." I would tell you, God absolutely did not deliver the children of Israel because of their morality. Are we together on that? I would tell you, secondly, that God did not deliver the children of Israel at the Red Sea because of their corporate faith. Uh, 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 How many of you know that with more than 3 million people crossing over the Red Sea all at the same time, there were different levels of faith? How many of you would agree with that? Okay, Don't you know there were some with a high level of faith? They were like, hallelujah, I knew it was just going to be a matter of time and God was going to split that Red Sea. I told y'all God had some sovereign swag. Praise the Lord. I knew that God was going to part the Red Sea and we were going to have the victory and we were going to cross over. There were some with a high level of faith. But don't you know that there were also some that didn't have any faith at all? They were scared to death. They're like, they're like, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, oh, I'm going to die. I don't know how to swim. Moses, keep your arms up in the air because if you put them down, that water's going to come, come in on top of us and we're all going to drown. There were some that didn't have any faith at all. So God did not save the children of Israel because of their corporate faith. Is that fair? Okay, so, so, so why did God save the children of Israel? Hear me. They were crying out to a God that they believed, that they'd heard about but had not yet experienced. So God saved the children of Israel, not because of their deeds, but because of their need. God saved the children of Israel, not because of their deeds, but because of their need. So if you're in here this morning, and you have got a need in your life, and you're going through something that you're right in the middle of, you ought to cut loose and give God some crazy praise because that means that you are a prime candidate for God to work on your behalf. God saved the children of Israel not because of their deeds, but because they had a need. I hope you're not bored yet. I know I'm preaching from the Old Testament, but for those of you that are students of the Word, you know that the Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. All right, let me, let me explain it this way. How many of you up here, you can, see the, the, you can see my shadow behind me? How many of you can see my, raise your hand if you can see my shadow behind me. How many of you know that my shadow has to do whatever I do? If I lift my arm, my shadow better lift my arm. Is that true? If I, if I jump up and down, my shadow better jump up and down. If I jump up and down like this and my shadow just stands here like this, you better find you another preacher because I'll be out of here. I'll put, drop this microphone and I'll be gone. My shadow has to do whatever I do. Is that fair? Okay, and, and how many of you know that, that, uh, that, that my shadow is proof positive of two things? Number one, I'm real. I'm not a ghost preaching up in here this morning. And number two, that there is light in the room. And hear me this morning, when Jesus stood in the light of who he was, he cast a shadow which was simply the Old Testament. The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. And how many of you know that when you see my shadow, you cannot see my distinctive features in in my shadow. You can't look at my shadow and see what the color of my skin is. You can't look at my shadow and see what the color of my eyes are. You know why? Because it's my shadow. That's why in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there are certain characters that are just a preview of the coming attraction. They are not Christ, but they are a preview of what Christ is going to do when he steps up on the scene. So with that in mind, as you look at Exodus chapter 14, you realize that the children of Israel become a shadow of the church. 
Moses becomes a shadow of Christ because he was born for no other reason than to bring liberty, salvation, and freedom. Uh, 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 Pharaoh was simply a shadow but becomes a shadow uh, of uh, Satan. Uh, the Egyptian army, uh, uh, Egypt, becomes a shadow of the world and of sin. Uh, and uh, which is why Pharaoh was so determined to keep the children of Israel in Egypt. Are you with me this morning? The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. In the Old Testament, the Passover lamb, they would take uh, 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 that, they would take the, at the Passover, they would take that innocent lamb, and they would take that lamb and they would kill that lamb and they would, they would sprinkle the blood of that innocent lamb over the wooden doorpost uh, of the homes. That was simply a shadow of another lamb that was going to be killed. But that lamb, his blood was not going to be sprinkled over the wooden doorpost, but his blood was is going to be sprinkled over the wooden cross. How many of you know that death has to pass over your life when it sees the blood of Jesus Christ? The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. When you look at the Red Sea that the children of Israel crossed over, you realize that that is symbolic of water baptism. If you're in this building this morning and you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized in water. It has nothing to do with your salvation, but it has everything to do with your obedience. You see, when you are water baptized, when you go down into that water, it is symbolic of you coming out of Egypt and coming out of your sin. When you come up out of that water, it is symbolic of you coming out of your sinful lifestyle and into the purpose, the destiny, the assignment, the plan that God has for you. If that doesn't light your fire, then your wood's too wet. Amen? The Old Testament is simply a shadow of that which Christ is the reality. So the children of Israel made it safely to the other side of the Red Sea. Pharaoh sent the Egyptian army in there after the children of Israel. The water came in on top of them and every one of them drowned. Every one of them. And when they did, the children of Israel on the other side of the Red Sea, they began to dance and shout. I mean, they were going cuckoo for cocoa puffs. They glorified and magnified God. And that's how I can always tell when I'm around individuals that, that uh, uh, have been delivered and set free from something. Amen? Because you don't have to coax them and coerce them and coach them to worship God out loud. Somebody who's been delivered out of something, out of something, you don't have to come down off the platform and say, now, come on. I know you can lift your hands to the Lord. I know that you can open your mouth and mo- move your vocal cords and move your lips and, and move your tongue and glorify and say, amen, praise the Lord, and hallelujah out loud. I know that you can give the Lord a wave offering. I know that you can take your hands and put them together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Oh, no, listen to me. Somebody who's been delivered and set free from something, all they have to do is get a flashback of what they could have been and what they would have been if it had not been for the grace of God and they'll cut loose and begin to glorify and magnify God and erupt into praise. So Pharaoh, can you all hear me okay? You know I'm joking. Pharaoh sent the Egyptian army in there after the children of Israel. The water came in on top of the Egyptian army. Every one of the Egyptian army, all of his men, all of the men and all of the horses drowned. And immediately the children of Israel on the other side, a little maid by the name of Miriam led a group of ladies and they began to dance and shout with their tambourines. No doubt the whole camp began to glorify God. Somebody probably got up on a a, a rock and gave a speech, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. But watch this, watch this. Once the euphoria of the emancipation eradicated... That's a fancy way of saying once the thrill and excitement stopped, once the music stopped, once the service was over, the children of Israel were faced with the same critical question that we're faced with every time we have an encounter with God. That's this question right here. Who am I now? What is my identity in Christ? I know I've been saved. I'm no longer slaved. But how do I walk in this newfound freedom after I've been in Egyptian bondage for so long? Let me put it this way. I know I've been delivered out of Egypt, but now how do I get Egypt delivered out of me? Oh, oh, oh my. You see, in the church, we don't like to talk about that. The fact that you can be delivered out of Egypt... 
but not have all of Egypt delivered out of you. Let me tell you something. Whenever you've been delivered out of Egypt, but you don't have all of Egypt delivered out of you, it's frustrating. It makes you mad. It, it makes you feel like you're schizophrenic. <laughs> because you know that you've had an encounter with God. You know that you've given your life to Him, but you still have some Egypt mindset. Some Egypt mentality. Some Egypt behavior. So the question becomes, the challenge becomes, not just, not just God, I need to be delivered out of Egypt, but as God, how in the world do I get Egypt delivered out of me? You see, a lot of people don't realize that Christianity is initially a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. Oh, I'm going to rewind and remix and resend and come again on that. Christianity is initially a change of status more than it is a change of behavior. The children of Israel, God delivered them out of Egyptian bondage, right? Instantly their status changed. But then the challenge became en route to the promised land, God, how in the world do I get my behavior to come into alignment with my new status? And that's the challenge that every one of us have every day that we get up out of bed. It's God, I know that you've delivered me out of Egypt. I know I've been saved, but now how do I get, how do I get my behavior to come into alignment with the new status that, I, that you procured for me when you died for me on the old rugged cross? And listen to me. God sent me by here this morning to tell you it is a process. And God, right now, God is molding you and making you and forming you and shaping you into what he wants you to be. And if God said that if you will just trust him in the process, that he is in the process right now of creating you what he called you to be from before the foundation to the world. Just keep trusting God. And in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through right now, just keep walking, just keep moving forward, just being faithful, just be obedient, keep trusting God and keep serving God even in the middle of the mess that you're in right now. Just keep being faithful to God. If you will continue to trust God, even in the process, he's going to make you what he called you to be. Let me explain it this way, David. My grandmother was born and raised in Paris, France. She came to America as a war bride in World War I. She had to learn the English language. She didn't speak English. My grandfather didn't speak French. But they had 11 children, so I guess they did not have too much trouble communicating now. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but when my grandmother came to America in World War I, she did not speak any English at all. Now, follow me. The U.S. government gave my grandmother her U.S. citizenship. And when the government gave my, my grandmother her U.S. citizenship, she did not instantly start speaking English. It's not like she woke up the next morning after she got that documentation and said, okay, now that I'm a U.S. citizen, I now speak fluent English. Her citizenship, her her U.S. citizenship documentation had no bearing whatsoever on her ability to understand or speak the English language or her American culture. That took time. It was a process that she had to go through to learn the English language. But she was still a U.S. citizen. Some of you sitting here, right here, in this building, you've begun to question the validity and begun to doubt the validity of your, US, of your citizenship in the kingdom of God. Because even though you have become a citizen of the kingdom of God by giving your life to Jesus Christ, you still have some things in your life that haven't completely been worked out yet. And so the devil has made you start questioning your citizenship in the kingdom of God. That's where you need to look the enemy in the face and say, devil, you are a liar and a deceiver. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm still in the perfecting process, but I'm still a citizen of the kingdom of God. Hear me. And God is in the process right now of molding you into what he wants you to be from before the foundations of the world, what he called you and set you apart to be. Hear me. If you are not consistently trying to live in a pattern of sin, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you need to allow God to continue to mold you and to make you into what he called you and set you apart to be. Amen? But what happens is this. Even in the middle of the situation, in the predicament of the process, no matter what you're going through right now, we have a tendency 
to say, God, I'm just tired and I'm exhausted. I've been trying to serve you, Lord, and the devil just keeps attacking me from every direction, and I, I'm just tired of fighting the fight. And God sent me by here from West Monroe to tell you, don't give up in the middle of the situation that you're in right now. Because just keep walking, just keep moving forward, just keep trusting God, even in the predicament of the process that you're in. And in the middle of what the, the children of Israel were in, then, then God brought them into the wilderness to get Egypt out of them. That's what that was all about. I thought, God, I read that the first time and I thought, God, why in the world would you bring the children of Israel into the wilderness? That's a tough place to take somebody. How many of you know? But God brought them there to get Egypt out of them. And I thought, my goodness, that's a rough place. Can you imagine God, his chosen people, putting them into the wilderness? How many of you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say, nowhere in the book of Genesis does it say, let there be wilderness. I mean, it's just not there. That's a tough place to take somebody. But I find out that many times in the middle of a situation that we're in, Many times God will allow us to go through wilderness experiences so that he can accomplish something greater in our life. Many times God will, will allow our resources to be removed so that we will find out more than ever that he is the only source that we really need. That may be why that boyfriend had to break your heart. That may be why that spouse walked out on you. That may be why uh, God allowed the devil to attack your finances because God wants you to understand that he doesn't, just want to be he doesn't just want to be first in your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to be your life. So God brought the children of Israel into the middle of a wilderness to get Egypt out of them. But even in the wilderness, God was performing miracles in their life. I mean, you think about it. I mean, here they are, they get hungry, and God sent Panera bread from heaven, so I ate the best bread that you could eat. They got thirsty, and Moses struck a rock, and Fiji water came forth, and they drank the best water. The Bible says that as the children of Israel were crossing through the wilderness, that their clothes never wore out. I thought, my goodness, here they are in the middle of nowhere, where nobody can even see them, and God still wants them to look fresh and clean. And, and so you'd think that, that I know they're in the wilderness, but you'd think that even in the middle of the, the, the desert, in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of all of these bad things that are happening to them, with all of these miracles taking place in the middle of their situation, don't you know that, that they, they had to be crying out, God, thank you. You'd think that they would wake up every morning saying, God, thank you for, 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 for delivering us out of Egypt. Thank you for parting the Red Sea. Thank you, Lord, that when we're hungry, you gave us bread from heaven and, and you gave us water to drink when we were thirsty and, and you provided clothes for us that never wore out. Lord, thank you for the miracle signs and wonders and healing and deliverance. You'd think they'd wake up every morning and thank God for those things, even in the wilderness. And they did that for a while. But the Bible says that they woke up one morning and the Bible says they began to bellyache and complain and murmur. And they said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back into slavery. And I thought, I read that and I thought, my goodness, I thought, what in the world would cause somebody to cry out so loud to go back to something that they had cried out for so long to get, to get out of. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And this is that message right here. This is what God said. What caused them to want to go back? The predicament of their process. Because listen, watch this, watch this. The predicament of the process will cause you to want to go back to what is familiar instead of moving forward to the next level. The predicament of the process will cause you to want to go back to what you're comfortable with and to what you've always known instead of moving forward to the next dimension that God has for you. And God sent me by here from West Monroe, Louisiana this morning to tell Refuge Church and those that are in this service this morning and those that are watching by way of Facebook, don't go back to the familiar. Don't go back to what you are comfortable with. Because right now, in the middle of the situation that you're in, in the middle of the trial that you're in right now, in your family, in your finances, in your home, 
in your marriage, whatever it is, in the middle of the situation that you're in right now, in the ministry that God has called you to, in the devastation that you're in the midst of right now, God is in the process of making you what he wants you to be. And when you come out on the other side, he's bringing you into the promised land of something mighty that he's got in store. So listen to me. Listen, your destiny is so much greater than your history. What God has in front of you is so much greater than what is behind you. And what happens is this. In the middle of a situation, we're all human beings. Listen, I'm a human being just like you are. But what happens is this. In the middle of the predicament of the process, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the situation that you find yourself in, a lot of times what we allow to happen is we allow the devil to cripple us to where that we can't move to the next level of what God has. And that's why God is saying, if you'll just keep walking and keep moving forward, no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how crippling it may seem like the situation that you're in right now, if you'll just keep moving forward and keep walking and keep trusting God and keep being obedient to the Word of God and keep being faithful to pay your tithe and give your offerings and read the Word of God and come to the house of God, if you'll, if you'll just be faithful to pray and seek the face of God, no matter what you're going through right now, if you'll just continue to be faithful and not allow the devil to cripple you in the middle of the situation that you're in right now, God is in the process of bringing you to a great and mighty work that he's doing in you and through you and he's preparing you for the next level that he has for you. Just keep walking and keep moving forward and keep trusting him. There was a police dog that was trained in high-speed chases. True story. This police dog chased a criminal out into a busy intersection in New York City. A car that was driving along and and did not see the, the dog slammed on its brakes, but it was too late. It slammed into that dog, and the impact was so intense. The dog lived, but it crippled this dog. From that point forward, whenever that dog walked, it would walk by flailing its front legs in the front and dragging its hind legs from behind. Flailing its front legs in the front and dragging its hind legs from behind. Nobody realized it at the time, but that dog that got hit by the car was uh, pregnant with puppies. And so when the puppies were born, there was nothing wrong with those puppies. They were completely whole with with no problems at all. But when they started walking, guess how they walked? Just like their mama. Flailing their front legs in the front, dragging their hind legs from behind. And the veterinarian had the hardest time trying to get these puppies to understand, Hello, there's nothing wrong with your legs. Look right here. You're only modeling the dysfunction that was placed before you. So the veterinarian began teaching these puppies to walk the way that they were created to walk. Teaching these puppies to run the way that their creator had intended for them to run. You know why you're here this morning? Because a lot of you in here, the devil has tried to cripple you in the situation that you're in right now. You know why you're in the house of God this morning? Because right now, God, you're not here to hear a cute sermon or hear some good songs. You're here because right now God's in the process of teaching you to walk the way that he created you to walk. Every time you come to the house of God and hear Pastor Tony or Pastor Bethany preach the word of God, God is teaching you to run the way that he created you to run. Every time, even in the middle of the situation that you're in right now, every time you pay your tithe, even when it's not easy to do it, but you'll be faithful to pay your tithe and give your offerings to the Lord's work. Every time you read the word of God and you pray and you come to the altar and seek the face of God and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you that he desires to do, no matter what you're going through right now, when you do those things, you're allowing God to teach you to walk the way that he created you to walk. And God told me to tell you this morning, this is why I'm here. No matter what you're going through right now, just keep walking, keep running, keep being obedient, keep trusting him. Because God right now is in the process of bringing you to a place that he has already prepared for you. Did you hear what I just said? 
right now what you're going through, God is in the process of bringing you to a place that he has already prepared for you. Bow your heads, close your eyes, open your hearts all over the building. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm going to ask if we can just let the, the music begin softly, begin playing in the background. There are so many of you here this morning that you're going through it and you need God to work on your behalf. You're in the middle of a mess. You're in the predicament of a process. You're here this morning and you've been delivered out of Egypt, but you don't have all of Egypt delivered out of you. There are some of you here that you're still struggling with some things in your life. You know you're a believer, but you're just struggling with some things that you need God to give you the complete victory over. I want you to know that Jesus...